This program has been made by the friends and partners of Jennifer LeClaire Ministries. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. The problem is most of us have our minds on ourselves and we're not noticing or realizing that other people are having issues too. And so we have to learn how to really, really walk in love. And by the way, walking in love doesn't mean to be a doormat. That's all he's got. That is all he has. Would you do me a favor? If you hear something that sounds kind of funny, it just doesn't sound quite right, would you please go check with the source? Because you're held accountable otherwise. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Give Tyson a good God bless you for flowing in the Holy Ghost today. <laughs> that was fun. God, it's good. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Let's talk about some few things. Let's do some business. We're going to talk today about overcoming church hurt. Hmm. Oh, some of you are here because you got hurt in the church. I hope that you are healed from it. If not, we need to get you healed because people that are hurt that don't get healed end up getting hurt over and over and over again. It's almost like hurt attracts hurt. Or you're so sensitive to a thing that any little thing will hurt you. This is, I am convinced that this is one reason why people church hop. I've only been to three churches in my whole life. That's pretty good, considering I've lived in different cities. And it's okay if you leave a church hurt, but it's not okay to stay hurt. We got to get healed. Amen. If church is hurting you and hurting you and hurting you and hurting you, eventually you got to get out because it's survival. And not every church is a good church, unfortunately. Most are. There's a few ones, you know, they always say, well, there's a few bad apples, right? So, Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Spirit of God today. I thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of truth to permeate the atmosphere. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to face our own hurts and pains in relation to the church. Help us, Lord, not to stuff it, but to excavate it like we would a natural wound. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, a heart to understand your word in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Good afternoon. Well, the afternoon service is bigger than the morning service. I don't know where everybody in the morning service was. Amen. But you're here. So, you know, I know all about church hurt. How many of you here, you've, you've been hurt in a church? Oh, it's like everybody. Praise God. Well, you know, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to get hurt in church. You're going to get hurt in life. You're going to get hurt maybe at the job. You're going to get hurt with a friend. I mean, you know, relationships are messy, unfortunately. People are going to hurt people. Most of the time, people are not trying to hurt you. And if they're trying to hurt you, you need to, you know, hit the road jack and don't you come back no more. You need to get up out of Dodge. If someone is trying to hurt you, you need to cut that relationship off. If they're not willing to repent, if they're purposely trying to cause you pain consistently, that is toxic. We've talked a lot about toxicity. But if we live life, we're going to get hurt. And the reality is, is that hurting people hurt people. And so the one that hurts you, listen, I'm going to say this right up front. You got to forgive them. You have to forgive because they're hurting you because they're hurt. Most of the time, even the ones who are doing it on purpose, 
Someone did something so bad to them that it warped them, and they need to get healing. That's why we're having our inner healing retreat this weekend, this weekend, right, and our mass deliverance service after that. But I know about church hurt. I was um, hurt by a friend in the church many years. It's been, oh gosh, I'd say 10 years ago now. And this was my best friend at the church that I went to. And, you know, we sort of did everything together, went on missions with the church together, did the work of the ministry together. We did everything together for like, I don't know, seven years. That's a long time. So I said, that's a long time. And, and, and one day I walked into the church and the lady that bakes the cake says to me, I'm going to call her Jackie. That says to me, well, you know, Jackie's getting married and we're having an uh, engagement party after church. I said, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. We're having a, you didn't know? She could tell by my face that I did not know. I did not know. My best friend of seven years did not tell me that she had gotten engaged. She didn't tell anybody until the night before the party was to be had. And I mean, I was stunned. That, that was hurtful. How many of you would be hurt by that, ladies? Guys are like, I don't care. They can do whatever they want. But ladies, you know, you, that, that's hurtful. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I went and I gritted my teeth and I'm like, I, you know, why didn't you tell me this? I did tell you. <laughs> no, you didn't. I think I would have remembered something like that. Insisted she had told me. No, didn't tell me. And she goes, well, you know, I'm really sorry about that. She's like, but I want you to be my maid of honor. And I did. I supported the marriage. I wasn't against it. You know, I mean, I thought it was kind of odd that, you know, three weeks ago she hated the guy and all of a sudden they're getting married. But she said it was love and, you know, you, so you support your friend. So I was there through that and, and I did. I organized the, uh, remember we went to the diplomat? Remember that? All the nice pretty things we had and the nice expensive fancy meals. And I paid for all this because that's what the maid of honor does. You got to do those things. It's part of the job. Well, come wedding day, we all got the same, you know, horrifyingly purple dress. It was really ugly. Bridesmaids' dresses are the ugliest dresses. They are. They're ugly. They do that on purpose, you know. Yeah, so that you don't upstage the bride. And so, you know, we're there, and um, she, so we're getting ready to line up, and I'm supposed to be standing by her. She goes, no. She says, she goes, my sister's the maid of honor. I said, excuse me? She says, yeah, my sister, I told you this. I said, you didn't tell me this. I said, I'm the one that went with you to get the dress. I'm the one that was there with all the fittings. Your sister wasn't there. I'm the one that did the invitations. I'm the one that bought the, the little fancy dumb things for the tables. <laughs> I don't know what you call them, but they were expensive. I said, I did all these things. What are you talking about? She goes, no, I, I told you that. And I said, no, you didn't. So I had to stand there, and I was so hurt. Like I was literally trying not to cry because I was so hurt. And But the good news was is that since it was a wedding, everybody was crying anyway. So it kind of didn't matter. I was so hurt. I didn't care about being the maid of honor. What I cared about was that she lied. Because she always said, you're more my sister than whatever. So this pattern continued of lying. And, you know, after maybe, I want to say, a year of, of just the constant lies over things that, you know, come on, really? I finally said, you know what? I love you. You're, you're always going to be my friend. But, like, we need to take a step back because I'm not investing more of myself emotionally into you. You keep lying to me. She says, no, 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 I'm not. You, ha you have to forgive. I said, I forgave you. And then I forgave you again and again and again. I said, I forgave you seven times 70. You know, but, but, but I can forgive you, and I have to, and I did, and I will, but I don't have to trust you, and I don't have to be in this close of relationship with you. Amen? And so she got very upset, and she decided to go tell the head prophetess in the church, and they want to have a meeting. They're going to tell me how wrong I was. So it, in the next, they wanted to meet after church on a Friday night. And the next morning was my daughter's 13th birthday. And we were going to take her to Rapids Water Park. 
And we had to get up early, catch all our friends, and drive out there. It's a big deal when you turn 13. How many remember that when you turn 13? It's a big deal. And I said, I can meet with you after church, but I can't meet long because I don't want to drag out. I don't want to be tired. It's a big day for my daughter. I need to get home. We need to go to bed. Oh, it'll be five minutes. Well, it was like, I want to say two and a half hours. It was one o'clock in the morning by the time I got out of there. And they went on and on. You have to forgive. I forgive. You have to forgive. Well, then you have to be in relationship. I don't have to be in relationship. And so they told me that I was merciless, bitter, unforgiving. And, and I really wasn't. I wasn't merciless. I wasn't, I don't think I was bitter. You know, maybe I was at that point. But I, I had forgiven. I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And that's my story of church hurt. And you know what? I left that church, not because of that, but because of other things around that. And I could never find another place to go, which is why we actually started this place, because because of my stature and being, you know, a, a best-selling author and all these things, every time I would try to go to a church, they would want me to start a magazine for them, or they'd want me to, you know, they just want to use the gift. I could never find a place where I could just rest and just be me. So that's why we started this, because here, guess what? I can be me. Praise God. I can say whatever I want. Amen. And so can you, because we have a culture of liberty and a culture of honor, and so we don't, we don't play. We don't have to wear masks. We just be. We just love each other. But, you know, that was my story, and it was a cycle of lies and betrayal, and, 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 and it, was, it was church hurt. And it took me, I would say it took me about a, a year to really, really, really get through it, about a year. And really, if you want to be honest, a major wounding, and if it's, if, if it's a, it'll take you about a year to get over it. And you have, and I'm not saying it'll be as bad at toward 12 months as it was in the first month, but it'll take you like to detox and to, because you go through these things, was it my fault? What did I do? And, and all those sorts of things. But the reality is if you go to church, you're going to be hurt because no church is perfect because as soon as you walked in the door, your neighbor, as soon as you walked in the door, it wasn't perfect. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here, back with a very important school, the School of Deliverance. You know, Jesus said, cast out demons. It's one of the primary functions of the believer. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, you'll cast out demons. But many believers, many churches know so little about it. You know, you can actually get in a lot of trouble if you try to cast out demons and you don't understand the dynamics of demonology. I want to teach you. I want to teach you the signs that someone is demonized. For example, another question that we'll discuss in class is, can Christians have a demon? Well, we'll get into it. How do you cast out a demon? What are the protocols? How do we do this in a safe way? What are some of the most common demonic strongholds? And what are some of the toughest to evict? How do we do this like Christ did it? You know, Jesus cast out devils everywhere he went. We have a lot to learn through the deliverance ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his grace, his anointing, that we cast out demons. We must, we must, I say we must, 
learn how to do this the Bible way because there are many, many, many people who are going to be coming into the kingdom through this great revival that we're all anticipating. And guess what? They're going to need deliverance ministry. Deliverance ministry is so often ignored. Most churches don't teach it, but I want to teach you. I've got 18 lessons coming at you in the school of deliverance. You can learn all kinds of things. Look around. You're going to see that a lot of people need help and they don't have anywhere to receive it. You can position yourself to do the work of Christ on the earth, the work of deliverance. Check out this school. It's going to bless you. It's going to equip you. Hey, who knows? There's even teachings on self-deliverance. Maybe there's something that you hadn't considered in the realm of deliverance that will really set you free as well. Check it out. <laughs> None of us are perfect. The only perfect one is Jesus Christ. And so we're all going to have bad days, say stupid things, and we don't mean to hurt people, not usually. Um, and so we have to walk in grace. You know, Ephesians 4 Ephesians 4 verse 2 exhorts us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted and merciful, showing compassion. But many times when people are going through trials and issues, we're not kind. We're short. We're not tender. We're harsh. The problem is most of us have our minds on ourselves, and we're not noticing or realizing that other people are having issues too. And so we have to learn how to really, really walk in love. And by the way, walking in love doesn't mean to be a doormat. It doesn't mean you let people take advantage of you. It doesn't mean that you let people, you know, do what I did with, with that particular situation in the church. Luke 6.31 tells us to treat others the way that we want to be treated. But often we treat somebody well until they do something that we do not like. And at that point, we become the persecutor. We become the one who gossips. We become the one who slanders. Do you know what she did to me? You let me tell you. Or we go on Facebook Live and make videos full of lies because we can't find any other way to express ourselves in a healthy manner. And so we have to be careful in the social media age because it's so easy to write stuff and people think you're talking about them when they're not. And it's so easy to completely slander somebody's character when they don't even know you made the video. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm talking to somebody. Luke 6.31 tells us to treat others the way we would like to be treated. But we often do something, we often do that until they, we do, they do something we don't like. Romans 12.10 says, out to one another in showing honor. But we give honor with our lips, but then we talk about people behind their backs. And this happens a lot to pastors, and don't I know it. Oh, I can hear some, not so much you guys, but the first service, I hear them. I can't believe what Apostle preached today. I, you know, I thought she was going to preach something on, you know, something that would help me. And I didn't, I'm not hurt and I don't need, I'm not bitter and I don't need any, I have no unforgiveness in my heart and I don't know why she couldn't just, sounds like you're bitter to me. <laughs> but you hear that a lot. You hear that people talking about each other's backs. And when I hear someone talking behind somebody's back, I say, you know, do you want me to go get that person so you can say that to them? Because it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Somebody say it's wrong. wrong. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. But then when we see somebody, we know they're going through a trial. Many times we criticize them. Well, I don't know why she can't just get it together. You know, I went through a trial. I got divorced and I didn't cry and act a fool like that for a year. Well, you know what? It's all relative. We've got to learn to walk in love. We've got to be compassionate. Ephesians 5 and 2 does say to walk in love. And 1 Corinthians 12 says what love is. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. But often we're none of these things. Often, you know, in the church setting, we, we, we feel like it, we can just let it all hang out sometimes. We have to be so perfect for the world, and we have to do such a good job in the workplace, and we have to, you know, but you go, you go to your home, some of y'all, mm. You ever hear that, how Joyce Meyer said she used to really be having fights with her husband, Dave? She'd be, ah! You know, and then she said one day, the Lord said, stop it. She goes, I can't stop. And she said, well, what if your pastor came and knocked on the door right now? How would you act? And then she had a vision of herself going, hi, pastor. Hi, bless the Lord. I'm so glad you came. We act ways in places where we feel safe with relationships in which we feel safe. We let our guard down. We let the wall down. We, we sometimes hurt each other in doing so. So we have to learn how to walk in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And it's sad when we treat total strangers many times better than we treat each other in the church. People in the world have hurt me, but I'll tell you the truth. People in the church have done me so dirty so many times. It's the people in the church I have the trouble with. It's not the people in the world. And oh, how, much, how that must grieve the Holy Spirit. Somehow. It's almost like, you know, brothers and sisters, how they're kind of mean to each other sometimes. It's almost like that in the body of Christ because we're brothers and we're sisters and sometimes we're mean to each other and we hurt each other. And we, we need to learn how to forgive. It happens more than you think. I want to give you just a couple of statistics to show you how widespread this problem is. 37%, somebody say 37%. 37% of non-church-going Americans said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences with churches or church people. So that means almost 40% of people who don't go to church are going because of some kind of hurt they sustained or some kind of really bad experience that so turned them off to church that they say, I'm not ever going to go to church again. Isn't that amazing? And we need each other. We really need each other. We need to be in church. Even after that church hurt experience that I had, I went right back to church. I do not miss church. I stayed in another church for about a year, just healed, and then, and then that wasn't the landing place for me, but I, didn't, I don't church hop. I don't go from church to church to church. We should not do that. But <laughs> it reminds me of the, the friend that I was just telling you about who married the, the pastor. You know, when I left, they asked me, why are you leaving? I said, because it's controlling here. It's abusive. They said, well, are you mad at us? I'm not mad at you guys. It's not you. It, the whole culture here is toxic. I got to get out of here. And, and they said, you're deceived. I said, I'm not deceived. I've been deceived by staying as long as I've stayed. I've been deceived. But I can see, my, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> I can see clearly now the rain. Okay. <laughs> and I got out of Dodge. And, and then, you know, they told me, you're deceived. You're missing it. This is your family. We love you. And I'm like, they don't, they don't look like no love here, you know. And so I left. And about two years ago, three years ago, I was in the post office and I saw the pastor dude and I saw him and I'm like, is that him? Is that, oh my God, it's him. <laughs> and before I knew it, dude was calling my name. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, 
hey, woman of God, hey. And I'm like, ugh. Because last thing he said to me was, you're deceived. Like I'm trying to, you know, self-inflict some more pain on me. You know, I just got over it. Leave me alone. And, you know, so he said, he said, hey, it's so good to see you. I said, well, it's good to see you too, brother. I said, praise the Lord. I've been praying for you. And actually I had because I was praying for, for the deception to fall off the minds of the people in that church. And a lot of them ended up leaving. Not all of them. But a lot of visible people left. I wasn't trying to split the church. I just said, Lord, break the deception. When someone's in deception. They don't know they're in deception. That's the nature of deception. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I'm coming to you with an exciting opportunity to partner with me as I advance the kingdom of God around the world. As many of you know, I am doing a daily prayer call that's reaching millions of people, millions and millions of people a year, but I'm also planting houses of prayers, prayer hubs, apostolic centers, and of course, raising up prophets and prophetic people. But I'm also sowing, sowing, sowing. Jennifer LeClaire Ministries sows back into at least 15 other ministries that are touching the sex trafficking industry. They're touching digging wells in Africa. They're helping uh, drug addicts rehabilitate and so, so much more. I need your partnership. When you partner with Jennifer LeClaire Ministries, whether you're in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, here in the US, wherever you are in the world, you are helping to open a door for me to come to your nation. You are helping feed hungry people. You are helping the gospel be preached. You're helping media projects flow forth. You are helping, you are sowing, and you will reap a harvest. Listen, you cannot outgive God. I can't do what I do without faithful supporters like you. You know, Billy Graham used to say that the janitor who cleaned the bathrooms would receive the same reward as he did for standing on a platform and preaching the gospel. When you sow into our ministry, you receive a reward. I want to invite you to become an official partner. You'll receive a monthly partner resource, special seating at my events, and so much more. The most important thing is you're being partakers of advancing the kingdom of God, especially if you're a prophetic person, if you're mission-minded, if you're apostolically focused, support, So, pray. Amen. God is good and he is doing so much more than any one of us can do alone, but together we can do a lot. We can make an impact. We can have influence on a lost and dying world. It's time. It's time to rise up and go further. I'm asking you become a partner today. Hey guys, Jennifer LeClaire here. I want to invite you to subscribe now to my YouTube channel. I've got exclusive content coming your way. It's not just my teaching videos. It's also special edition videos with James Gall, Matt Gilman, Alan Hood, and many others in the body of Christ. I've also got the Awakening Podcast Network transmitting through my YouTube channel. There is so much for you. My morning prayer calls, it's all there. Subscribe to my YouTube channel right now. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Share the content. Make sure you're getting the alerts. I'm telling you, we are ramping up here on this YouTube channel. Content you won't find anywhere else. Hey, go ahead and hit the subscribe button right now.